Hi everyone, welcome back to Socially Distant Tea Time. I'm Caitlin McGrath, founder of Be Her Village, and here I'm joined by Laura Otten, uh, maternal health specialist, licensed clinical social worker, and Evelyn Page, licensed clinical social worker and maternal health specialist. Mental health specialist. <laughs> That's, mental health is health though, right? <laughs> How are you ladies today? I'm good. My allergies are acting up. So I have oh, tissues no. next to me. And if I sneeze all over, that's me and the pollen flying through the air right now. And my daughter loves to collect it. You know, those yeah. uh, strings of pollen. Yeah. 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 And I'm just like, don't touch that, please. Oh, my son is suffering too. He like comes because they all they do is play outside and he just comes mm -hmm. in. I'm like, here's right. medicine. I'm so crunchy granola and holistic, but as the years tick by, much less so. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if we've talked about it on here, but my um, my uh, manifestation of my postpartum anxiety was like into crunchy granola, mm -hmm. organic, like everything mm -hmm. had to be organic. I have this video on YouTube, but I'll like sum it up for you here where I basically like got so deep into it and replaced every product in our house and replaced our entire way of getting food and cooking and existing and I would like for fun and or just for like making myself feel better I would read article after article after article about like I would go down the rabbit hole of organic living and then one day I read an article and it said that all of my furniture <laughs> bless you bless you get I wasn't kidding take some mainstream meds will you I, I did I did no sorry to interrupt you <laughs> Um, so I read this article that said my couches and carpets had formaldehyde off-gassing into my air near my baby. And I remember feeling terrified of my furniture and just imagining getting rid of all of it. And that extreme thought like snapped me into this, what am I, what am I doing that I'm afraid of my furniture, that I'm afraid of the air that I'm breathing. And, and it's, I don't knock anybody's efforts to try and like detoxify and have clean living and a clean, healthy food. But for me, it was like, it was a perseveration. It was something that was not actually, <laughs> it was like, we'll have the most organic food, but your mother's a nutcase. So you know, <laughs> a little balance here and there. Tips over to the unhealthy pretty okay. easily, right? But um, that's, that's <laughs> a little uh, visitor. Yeah. <laughs> Something's happening in the off, off in the background. Um, that's kind of a good thing to bring up with the coronavirus because as things are slowly like kind of even thinking about opening up, I've been hearing a lot, and I know I feel it myself of like, okay, I'm trying to weigh out the risks and the benefits, and that goes with everything with motherhood, right? So like, um, I just and I just read another article a few days ago because I ordered up on bug sprays and sunscreens for the summer. I'm trying to weigh that benefit of like, it's so much easier you spray, but oh my gosh, are they in, you know, they're like, don't make sure they don't inhale the spray. I'm like, hello, I have a one and a half year old. Like <laughs> he's going to inhale some of this. Like, right. but it's that balance of everything we do has risks and you can't put yourself in that bubble. Like Caitlin, you said, like, I, I guess you could change out everything. A lot house. of people do. And, <laughs> and some people do. And yeah. like, 
okay, you know, if you have the resources and the energy and, and are able to do that, great. Um, but we do have to draw a line somewhere for ourselves and not compare ourselves to other people of like, oh, well, I, I can't have this plastic cup in front of her because she only uses glass and mm -hmm. I'm poisoning my child because of this. Um, it, it can lead to a lot of stress, that comparison yeah. trap. <laughs> and it's hard, I think, too, because it feels like there's such a culture of moms who identify with trying to detoxify and trying to have healthy living. And I think it's a really normal thing to kind of, you know, before kids, you just eat what you want. You know, there's definitely people into health before kids, but there's something about getting pregnant, growing a baby, and trying to keep your baby healthy that leads people into clean food and clean living. Um, so there is a culture and there's a whole bunch of people if you're into that that support it and so it's not like oh this behavior is bad and this behavior is good this behavior means you're suffering from postpartum anxiety this behavior means you're not it's actually it's more of a spectrum like it can mean like for me it was totally a manifestation of the anxiety but i couldn't see it until i was about to throw my couches out um and then you know but for another person they might just really be into organic food and they feel better eating that way and they're not suffering from a, mm -hmm. a anxiety disorder. And I think that's where a lot of these issues can go so undiagnosed because people themselves can't recognize it necessarily when they're in it because the red flags look different for everybody. And then, and this is like the big thing that we can actually change, I think, is that providers are not trained in mm -hmm. spotting it. Providers yeah. that have their hands or their eyes on women, like OBs, everyone sees their OB, everyone sees their midwife. Um, you know, not everybody has, and this is why we're doing this, not everybody has maternal mental health specialists being like, well, this could be, you know, if you're scrubbing your hands until they're raw, like, yeah, you're preventing coronavirus, but also what is your actual risk, you know, and, and how is that balancing in your life? Yeah. Right. Hard. Yeah, I think a lot of it, I think, like Laura was saying, was kind of evaluating the risks that feel, um, that are okay for you, for your family, but then without it also kind of um, driving you nuts, honestly. Like it's, if it's starting to become so much of a burden, you know, you kind of reevaluate it. Like, like you said, um, Caitlin, when you were about to throw out your couches, like, oh, this, this might be too much. Ooh, maybe you know, I thought so like, <laughs> past the point of no return. <laughs> maybe, but um, that's, I'm glad, Caitlin, you said it of um, that's not what the woman's usually saying to herself. And Evelyn, I know you agree with me. By the time they get to us, they have some sort of understanding. I wish I could get to them Before. months beforehand because the narrative that they're hearing in their head is, I'm being a good mother by doing this. I'm a bad mother if I don't do this, or I'm a bad mother because I'm doing this other thing. And, and other people, um, other moms are doing it so much better than I am. Other moms don't feel this way. So it's not related uh, in their minds to mental their mental health. Mm -hmm. It's related to whether or not they're a good mom or being responsible. And I, I even when they get to me, there is still some of that that I have to work on of, that guilt other moms don't feel this way or if i really loved my baby i would do it this way and changing that um narrative is really tough but i do think of all the moms out there who just think that they're being bad moms and it's like no you just have anxiety or you just have depression and you're actually doing a great job and i don't know i mean it's it's the most um 
it's almost just really nice when you when when I kind of get a pregnant mom mm-hmm. before she has the baby and, and maybe like some of that anxiety is starting to come up but then we have some time to kind of work on it and have a plan so that and some and sort of um work on what the expectations might be um you know so that there's not this um you know that 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 exactly that narrative like you said Laura of like you know I have to do it this way or this is the right way you know but kind of knowing that there's a whole range of things that could be okay for you and, you know, and becoming a little bit okay with the uncertainty of what postpartum is going to look like, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause things might, you know, you might have a plan and even if you have, you know, the supports and everything you need, it, it might look just really different once baby comes home, mm-hmm. once baby's here and kind of being flexible. And, and, but I think when I've been able to work with moms um, before they deliver, and we kind of work through some of that before, um, they're just much more, um, they're able to kind of go with the flow a little bit more. Not that it's not hard, but they kind of already are anticipating things not being this like ideal or this, you know, what they see on social media. Definitely. Um, I wonder if we could, I mean, this is just thrown out there, but I wonder if we could like literally the three of us, but also just as a culture, put together a list or some sort of reference for what good moms really are. Because we always talk about like, that doesn't make you a good mom or that's not what defines a good mother. Um, The thing that I've always said to the people that have expressed that to me, whether it's dual clients or friends or family, is if you are worrying about being a good mom, you're a good mom. (laughs) Like that, that already, just literally the concern of like, am I doing this right? Am I serving my children? And I feel like maybe like putting together a list of what are the things that make a good mom? Like the good mom is the one that cares about their kid. The good mom is the one that worries about whether they're doing this right. The good mom is the one that isn't sure all the time, you know, like putting together something like that where there's just written down. Is there anything like that right now that, that new moms could look into? That's not like a whole book or, you know, I don't, I'm not looking at it as like, a branded thing. And that was actually going through my head too, is that there's always companies that are so willing to tap into that anxiety about whether they're a good mom or not. And they kind of like capitalize on that, but something that really like could be a tool, you know, that gets slipped into hospital discharge papers or, you know, OB offices of like, Hey, this is what good parenting actually looks like. Is there anything that you guys know of out there like that right now? Uh, I have some, I'm, you know, I usually recommend and none of this is like affiliated or like whatever associated to me. It's just things that I like, um, on social media, I like to follow happy as a mother. Um, I think she does, she's a Canadian, um, therapist. Oh, Canadians. They're so great. (laughs) So calming, so kind. Um, but she does these wonderful, um, pictures of, of, she does a lot around the unseen and unrecognized burdens of motherhood and also a lot of that good moms still have these thoughts and um this is good good mothering um so she's one i recommend to people i work with and you said not book but like i, I literally have yeah. it in arm's reach so i'm going to like go for it, it right let's now. plug it um and again this is not this is just what i like you're not um, being you're not being paid to say this this is literally sitting next to me we did not plan this, but we are both holding up the same. Those of you who can't see us right if now, we're you guys are getting paid for this. I want in. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it feels like good, if somebody wants to pay, it, that's they want to 
Yeah, so yeah, what is this yeah. good moms have scary thoughts? I've heard of this yeah. book. Oh, I love that. By Karen Kleinman. She's um, a big, she's a leader in the postpartum mental health world. Um, and it's, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You're so my husband's that. phone just linked up to our <laughs> laptop and now I get like, I need to unlink it. Um, it's this wonderful, it's illustrated and it's interactive. Oh, you can see oh, yeah. just as I flip through it, the illustrations. Yeah. Um, but it really covers everything. And like, I tell the people I work with, you'll find yourself in this book. You'll flip mm -hmm. to a page and you'll be like, oh, that's me. Well, and you don't have to read it in order. Like no. you could literally just open it up and read that this page. Something a pregnant person could read and get something out of before the baby. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, absolutely. And it does a lot of um, just small, very manageable bite-sized mental health exercises. Like, Write down, um, you know, where you feel in your body when you have anxiety or mm -hmm. just like, um, here are three coping strategies to try to mm -hmm. make for, you know, moms who don't have a lot of sleep and are completely exhausted. Like Evelyn said, flip open to any page. Right. He's another great account to follow on social media as well. Um, so I recommend that. So to, someone to has done that. this already. We don't have to do this. This is good. We don't have to do this. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> because motherhood is, because she has in there, like, mother, being a good mom, you're going to have thoughts of missing my old life and looking at your baby sometimes and wondering what on earth was I thinking. Oh, that's, I, you're like describing my entire experience with all three of them. Yeah. Except well, for the I second one. After, after my daughter, I'm like, I will never sleep again. Like, yeah. what was I thinking? I need to go warn all the women who don't have children not to have children because they'll never sleep again. Yeah. Obviously, I was um, sleep deprived. <laughs> and spoiler <laughs> alert, I did sleep again. And those feelings went away. But um, I didn't feel prepared for that. I had no idea what the sleep deprivation would do to my mental health. And so I think this is helpful for pregnant women to look at, to realize that they're not alone and they're not a bad mom because they have the thoughts. I mean, it's right in the title, Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's yeah. the sleep deprivation needs to be talked about more, but it's hard to talk about it without the fear mongering. You know, there's people always say like, oh, you're never going to sleep again. Oh, enjoy it while you can, you know, like enjoy your sleep while you can, which is not really helpful in any tangible way. You know, it's like, okay, thanks. I'm going to be miserable. But at the same time, like motherhood would be so much easier if you were doing it on a full night of sleep and you're not doing it on a full night of sleep. And there becomes this desperation, you know, there becomes this feeling of being trapped and tied to your baby. And, and not, I remember looking at my baby and being like, I can't sleep right now because you're awake. And that felt suffocating to me because <laughs> I really wanted to sleep. I love sleeping. Um, and then you have like beyond that. So you have these women who are struggling and then you have loved ones who are like, is it a good baby? Are they sleeping through the night? And you're like, no, not ever. And I don't, you know, does that make me a bad mom? Does that make him a bad baby? You know? And then you have the sleep wars of the mothers of like crying it out or, you know, sleeping in the bed with you or night weaning or not night weaning. And, and it's just every, like everything is so charged and, and difficult. And the reality is like life is so much easier when you're well rested. Like all of your coping methods, I find it now and I don't have, if I'm up at night, it's not, it's not usually because of my kids. It's usually just because I'm up at night. And I find the day after I don't sleep, even if it was like a good, like I stayed out late with my friends or something in, in a pre-pandemic time, um, you know, the next day I'm like, 
uh, my mood is different. My mood is way worse, way worse when I don't get sleep. And so when you have all this like perfect storm of newbornhood where you're trying to learn and you're trying to figure out what's right and you're, and you're sleep deprived, those coping skills are really <laughs> a little bit devastated from the lack of sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how are you guys counseling women who are struggling with that sort of like, I don't, I don't even have anything left to give. Like, what are the types of things that you're recommending women who are struggling with that lack of sleep? I mean, I, I try, I mean, first try to talk about, you know, what the relationship is like with their partner. Um, you know, are they getting help and support and figuring out like a schedule? Um, Cause I think a lot of moms, especially post part of it like that um, on their maternity leave kind of think like, okay, well, my partner's going back to work. Like I just need to do everything. or I need to be up every night um, because they're going to go to work. And sometimes I kind of just say, well, you know, the, it took the two of you to make this baby. So, you know, you're still working all day too. You're just not necessarily going out of the house. So what, what could be, you know, some kind of compromise or schedule that, that would work that feels kind of affair on both sides you know and start and start to kind of work through that too so that she's able to get a chunk of sleep at night you know maybe it's like you know the partner kind of takes like an earlier shift in the evening and then she gets up you know um earlier in the morning or whatever but something that feels feels that it would work for them and their schedules i love that because there's i my in-law and then also a few other clients that I've um, worked with they're like we're both getting up for every day for change overnight (laughs) you guys need to divide and conquer like I understand the feeling of you know I guess Evelyn you're saying it's the opposite which that was me I was like you're in grad school you're supporting us I'm I'm staying at home there's it wasn't maternity leave like I was just I was not working anymore I I hate that term not working anymore because I was working harder than I had the hardest job you've ever had a very close family friend, like at a wedding after maybe he was like, are you going to go back to work? And I just remember being like, I am working. I am working really. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Um, so there's that. There's like the, the woman taking the entire burden, but there's just like literally not knowing how to best use the resources available to you, like taking shape. Yeah. Or like mm-hmm. the mom feeding and then the, the partner doing everything else that they can do. Yeah, and and sometimes too the mom might not realize um, the resources out there. Even now, even though it might be virtual, like if the baby's up all night fussing because of something, breastfeeding's hard, or the formula isn't right, or maybe need to visit a specialist, whether it's a chiropractor or um, PT of some sort, a lactation consultant. All of these resources to try to set it up in the best way possible because if your baby's gassy and up all night like that isn't going to work for anyone's mental health so helping you know evelyn and i are more tapped in to the resources um and a lot of moms don't know that they're out there or that these symptoms could be a sign of something bigger so sometimes it's linking them and then also to changing the mindset because she does think, and Evelyn, you tapped on this of like, I need to be up all night because he's working the day, or it could be a good mom is going to stay awake um, at, at every little gurgle that the baby makes, I need to be on alert for. And, and some of that thinking of no, like you getting sleep is good for the baby. And I think we talked about this last week of changing that of, um, I need to you know, sacrifice everything. I read another article this week about this martyrdom of motherhood of if I sacrifice myself, 
that feels good. I can take pride in that and that builds me up and it's changing that can be a lot of the therapeutic work of no, actually not sacrificing and giving everything you have will be healthier for you and for the baby too. Absolutely. And I love that idea of like calling in extra supports. And that's a big mission of Be Her Village is to help women know in their pregnancy while they're making their registry, the types of supports to think about. Because I'm a mom of three. I'm a doula for five years. I've been doing this work. And in putting together the Be Her Village registry, I'm learning about so many services that are available that even I was not completely aware of and how beneficial they can be. Um, I'm thinking like postpartum doulas. I've definitely sat, and Evelyn, when you, when you went to partners, I was thinking, well, there's people that are single moms, either by choice or <laughs> by circumstance. And it's really hard when you're a single mom because there's no one to tap out to, you know, and it's, <laughs> or tag in and tap. Right. Um, so yeah, so having those professional sports, whether it's baby nurses or postpartum doulas or sleep coaches, you know, maybe a few months into it. Um, one of my friends used a sleep coach and she just raved about it, not because anybody was crying it out, but because there were just like structure that was set in and, and there were routines that were put together. And sometimes it helps to have somebody that knows more than we do because this whole parenting thing is really, really, really hard. I just want to just throw it out there. And I don't mean that in a fear mind. Like, it's just hard and you're not supposed to know how to do all of it. My husband and I, are our background is in special education and behavior. So we trained and worked in classrooms. He still does it. I did it for five years. That's where we met. But like my background is in understanding behaviors and making functional behavior plans is in analyzing and taking data and sh shifting and changing behavior. Does that mean that the two of us have any idea what we're doing with our three kids? <laughs> like we do, we have a general idea of behavior and we're lucky that we have that. We're lucky that we work together in that way. But I look at, you know, friends of mine, I'm just like, you're, how is anyone supposed to know how to shape the behavior of a small, tiny, adorable, needy human who's like actively trying to manipulate <laughs> Well, they are walking in with their impulses and anger and yes. sadness and happiness. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes there's even more pressure. Like I, I came into this, I had been doing therapy, I've been in mental health, I worked with kids and families, and I knew it all. You know, you're the perfect parent until you become a parent. Oh my God. Totally. And when I finally, and I'm, I, I shouldn't say finally, because it's not like a stopping point of I've achieved this, but just realizing that part of this is just the child's personality and part of this is just being a kid um and letting go of i if i did everything right i would have this perfect child a that doesn't exist that no one wants you know you don't want the perfect child um you want this messy child that you have um but letting go of that was a big um turning point in my parenting of, you know, sometimes a kid just needs to tantrum and I need to let it wash over because, you know, I'm going to show her that I love her with all of these big feelings, but she needs to throw a tantrum right now, or he needs to throw a tantrum and being able to let go of that of, oh, if I just used this parenting technique, everything. Right. All right, let's see live action parenting, Evelyn. So, <laughs> Evelyn, intervene with positive Intervene while being fully grounded to yourself. And you are banging so <laughs> so loudly on that door. <laughs> Good banging. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, like, just like, Laura, I, I, I specialized in working with kids for many years before I be, became a maternal mental health specialist. No, thank you. And there's, there was just such a greater appreciation once I had my own kids, because I, you know, I only worked with kids for eight, like, seven or eight years, I think. Um, and, you know, it's different. It was, you know, kids that had dealt with trauma. But you have, like you said, uh, Caitlin, I had like all of this like background on child development. And it's also just so crazy to see both of my kids and they're so different. And like what works with one does not work with the other. And so you just have this flexibility. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's easy for me. Like it's not like, oh, well, I'll just do this. And this is this parenting technique that I'll pull. Like I have those resources, but it's a lot of trial and error kind of figuring out what works for each of them. So. Absolutely. And I think that there's also something different about, like for me, I was a teacher and so I was there for certain periods of the day and then they went on the bus and I went home to my apartment where I was single and alone and it was so good. And, and, and as a parent, like, yeah, it's easy to segment as a professional. I'm sorry. It's easy to segment like, well, for this 45 minute session, I can really target in. But when you're a parent and you've got all the things that you're carrying around, like your exhaustion and your bills and your ambitions and your relationships and your everything, then to just be 24 hours a day trying to and try to respond to something, it's really different from being a professional. So Regardless of our training and background, I feel like every single parent is kind of in the same boat of trying to do the best that we can. Mm -hmm. and we, all, we all have our moments and being able to forgive yourself of those moments and incorporate it as I'm a good mom with these moments because we've all had them where we've lost our temper or we've gotten upset, we've done a parenting that we wish we hadn't done. And all of that can be, it, we can use it as an opportunity to show our children how to be gracious towards ourselves and kind to ourselves when we make mistakes um, and acknowledging that we're learning and um, growing together um, rather than incorporating it as shame that we're bad at this or not good at this. And I love hearing, oh, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, uh, just one of the themes I've heard, and I definitely feel it myself of, oh, if, I were a good parent, I would be constantly playing with my kids yeah, and yeah. Be, their and their friend and all of this, like, um, we have these huge expectations for ourselves yeah. and we need to be a little kinder to ourselves and back off a little bit in so many totally. ways. Yeah, it's that mother myth that, that we kind of hear a lot that you should just love every moment of, of being a mother and it should just be happy and you're glowing constantly. And, you know, that's, yeah, I feel like that's so damaging for moms because that's that's the expectation and, and it's not reality. So that's when reality doesn't happen, then you know we blame ourselves and kind of say, oh, we're not a bad, we're we are a bad mom because because I'm not playing all the time or because I don't love every moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you do lose your temper or you do yell at your kid or you do make a mistake and you're not the parent that you want to be, I think what you do after that is actually the lesson for your kid, right? Because your kid, they're going to make mistakes. They're supposed to make mistakes and they want to see what you do when you mistake. So when you lose your mind and you yell at them or you punish them or you do something that is not in like the gentle parenting, you know, that you've tried to adopt for yourself, 
But then you go to them, you say, hey, I'm really sorry that that happened. I made a mistake. I, I this. I don't know. If you take some responsibility directly to the child, Delicious. I feel like it helps them see what they can do next time, too, because they're going to lose their temper, too. At least my kids do. Like, they absolutely are working on when someone makes me mad, what do I do next, you know? And, like, sometimes they make the mistake and sometimes they don't, but I think part of this like perfect mother is that we're doing a disservice to the kids because you're not perfect all the time <laughs> and showing them that we're real people and showing them that we're vulnerable and showing them that we sometimes need a moment or sometimes we need space or sometimes we don't want to be in the room with our kid. Like sometimes I'll say that I'm like, I just need a few minutes. Like, please just leave me, especially now. I think it was easier before the quarantine, you know, because I could hold it together for the first hour of the day when we were getting ready for work and and, and then hold it together for like two hours in the afternoon but now it's like dude you got to give me some space like I just right. I personally am someone that also like needs built-in alone time like everything will be going great with my family the kids will be having a great time me and my husband will be, we'll be having a great time we'll be having people or whatever it is and like even if there's nothing wrong I'm like can I just have a few minutes and I'll just go into our bedroom and just I just need to like not hear noise for a couple of minutes and not be on for a couple of minutes. And I think that the more moms have permission to not be on and not be perfect and not be wanting, you know, to be in their kids' lives, like it, it actually is teaching your child, hey, this is how I'm coping. <laughs> this is, and this is what I need. And, and you know what, sometimes, and this is what I think is difficult for a lot of new moms, my needs are going to come first over your needs, right? Because your needs are, you know, maybe you need some water. Okay. Can it wait a few minutes? <laughs> like, you know, or you need me to read a book with you. Okay. But first I'm going to finish up this thing and mm -hmm. then I'm going to tend to you. And I think that's really difficult to make that transition because in the beginning, the newborns really do need constant, immediate response. And it's hard to break out of that as they get older. Mm -hmm. Sure. You're doing a great job, Evelyn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> managing right now yeah. yeah so much of this is giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves and making sure that that stays a priority in our lives mm -hmm. you're absolutely right now yeah. now more so than ever now right this is like ever. the crucible of parenthood right now it's like sit in a house for three months or however long 11 years it feels like 11 years some, day, <laughs> some days I'm like oh it was March it's not still March you know and other days I'm like this has been forever but it's really like this is the test if there ever was one of of parenting and of you know getting through this together so mm -hmm. lots of grace and forgiveness and self-care for sure wherever we can yes. get it Excellent. Well, thank you, ladies, for another wonderful tea time discussion. Next week, we should try to actually make tea. Because I made tea. <laughs> Did you? Oh, you're so good. You're good. Yeah. The allergies, so I like really uh, need to hydrate. You know, yeah. all the yeah. mess. I do yeah. have so, my water. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, next time, some hot tea, like Laura. We'll all follow Laura's suit. Awesome. <laughs> have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.